Hey everybody, it's Eric. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. A little bit of a disclaimer on today's episode. We had some audio problems as we're recording, so you're going to notice about 10 to 12 minutes in um, a periodic clicking noise that starts to happen. We wanted to go ahead and release this episode because we feel like the conversation is really helpful. It's really good content for for leaders to, to absorb and really internalize as they think about leading groups. But appreciate your patience. Just bear with us as we continue to refine this and get better at doing it. And with that said, on to the show. Welcome to How to Lead a Group, a leadership podcast for everyone. Jamie, have we come up with a better name yet? No. It's been one week. We haven't. We don't have a better name no, yet. No better names. <sighs> Most poorly named podcast of all time. Anyway, so this is this is our opportunity to kind of mine the crossroads community, pull together our collective wisdom, talk to experts, and just understand what are the, the best ways, the best tools, the best principles that we have to lead the people that God has put around us well. But before we get into that, let's do a little bit of introductions. My name's Eric Ankenman. I'm on the content team here at Crossroads, and I'm joined by the lovelier half of the podcast duo. My name is Jamie Sims, and I'm on the communications team. Uh, before we dive in, okay, let's get it. to know the hosts a little better. Um, Eric, what was your favorite part of this Christmas holiday? We did just come back from Christmas. Um, my my favorite part of Christmas was that we went nowhere. Um, when I was growing up, my family never traveled at the holidays. So for me, like the nostalgic image of Thanksgiving and Christmas is always like you basically just stayed around the house there was always food out and like we just kind of ate and did nothing for like three or four days and it's it's amazing so that's essentially what we did this time around we didn't really go anywhere how about you um we had 22 people packed in my parents home we were sleeping everywhere except for the kitchen and the dining room so no space in the laundry room no one slept in the laundry room now, is, was this a good thing or a bad thing or neutral? Like, what's what's the reaction to so 22 it, people in one house? Going into it, it was kind of like, okay, well, if I get overwhelmed, I can go back to where I live and be alone. Um, but it, it was really good. It was uh, family members from all over the country, and we all got together, and we just spent uh, a whole week just insanely being together. <laughs> Crammed into the same space. <sighs> like... Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just imagine just like just stuff everywhere and people everywhere, and you walk in every room and, oh, you're in here. Oh, okay, great. Oh. <laughs> that that pretty much sums it up. Like, uh, everyone getting ready to go somewhere was like, <laughs> you can't spend more than five minutes in the bathroom because you know there are four people behind you. How many, how many bathrooms in this house? Um, one, two, three, four and a half. Okay, so that's not bad. That's not bad. But it's still, on average, what, like six people? Almost six people to each bathroom? Yeah, but I was, for some reason, I was envisioning like two bathrooms. Oh, that would, have, that would not have worked. <laughs> not, not, not sustainable. All right, fooled around long enough. Um, today, we're going to talk about, you know, kind of maybe one of the, the next biggest hurdles for people thinking about leading a group or when you're actually going into starting a new group, the, just the logistics of what am I doing? How do I do this? Well, practically speaking, I'm going to have people in my house. What? Do, how do I need to prepare for that? We're joined today by none other than Stephen Manuel. 
Oh hi! Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> all the all the all the nonsense here. He's sitting very quietly. Glad um, to be so here. before we before we jump into to talking about something actually serious, we want to get to know you a little bit. Okay. Um, we've got a quick kind of five question, thirty second quiz that we give everybody that comes on the podcast. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Take a deep breath. All right. Mm-hmm. So question number one: uh, What do you do? And tell us about your family. Well, I I do a couple of things. I. I'm just going to leave it at I'm part-time at Crossroads. I'm sort of a dilettante around here and have my fingers in a few pies. One of those main pies is um, man camp, all things man camp. I'm, in, I'm involved there. And then my wife and I have um, an event planning business, and we do a lot of corporate work. And so I do speaker coaching and training executives on how to communicate better. So I'll, I'll leave it at that for what I do. Um, my family, we are, uh, my wife and I are from Texas. Her name is Dora. We moved here about 15 years ago, and we now have two little girls, five and seven, and we're just a happy little family. What's your middle name? Alan. That was easy. What's the best movie you saw in 2016? Um, just because it's uh, this probably isn't, if I took the time, I'd probably come up with something better, but I'm just going to say because it's on top of mind that um, A Monster Calls was a, was something that was released in December to get um, Oscar buzz, and I saw Monster Calls and really liked it. How many cats is too many cats? Well, um, I just came from my sister's house over Christmas, <laughs> and I think she has five cats, and that's too many cats. <laughs> Too many because there's no relationship with these cats. You treat them as a herd. You throw food out the door and hope they... I think I think three is too many. I think you could probably sustain relationships with two cats. What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, the first one that comes to mind is, forgive me for the judgmentalism of this statement, but bad grammar drives me crazy. <laughs> I see it on signs. I see apostrophes where they shouldn't be. Um, I hate it when an all-staff email goes out and something is said wrong or there's a, ver- a verb that's wrong or something. I just think, guys, we've got to get this together. Language. We all, we all have to own the fact that this is our language. We, as Americans, we only know one. Let's get it right. That's, that's awesome. So last week we talked about what I think is probably the biggest initial fear for somebody thinking about leading a group. Just that idea of I'm not good enough. I don't know how to do this. Uh, what if somebody asks a question? Like all of those kinds of inadequacy sort of things. Um, I think following right on the heels of it, especially in the kind of culture we live in that's very very much a back deck sort of culture, I think there's a lot of fear for people around just the practical idea of I'm going to have people that I don't really know come into my house. You know, if you were talking to a new leader that's that's wrestling with those kinds of fears... Like where where do you start with something like that? I think the I, just to give context, I mean, maybe you guys are going to say this. I, I just want to establish the fact that I have a lot of experience in this area, <laughs> and that our we've gone from um, have being afraid to have people into our house to that being very regular, very normal. It's very much a part of our lives, and and even the house that we are living in now, we've built that house around the idea of. Uh, we didn't build the house, but we've torn down walls and reconfigured our house around the idea of having people in our home. 
and bought furniture around, et cetera. So it's a big part of our life now. But when I think back early on, I, I would want to tear down the, all of the um, fears around one having if you if you worry about having strangers in your house i would say get your friends together at your house just be somebody who has people come into your house and say you know what let's have a game night with our three closest friends let's just have some friends over and starting that pattern of going come to us you know just starting to exercise that muscle of saying you guys come here and some of the lessons about having people in your house like offering people drinks you're just going to learn that from having your friends around in your house and going like, well, geez, we could have $2 worth of popcorn and that would satisfy everybody all night. If we had, if we bought a $2 package of popcorn, that would actually give somebody to munch on all of us all night long. Well then great. Well, let's do that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one thing I would say is that you can just, just start with the people that you like and know already. And secondly, um, Man, at our at our first house, we had no space. When I think of my, we started kind of having these gatherings when we weren't married. My wife was had roommates that lived in her house with her. There was no there was no space that was like hosting space, and there was no space that was our space or anything. But she had a back deck, mm -hmm. and so we would just get people together on the back deck, and it was very crappy. I mean, we had <laughs> no deck furniture at all. I mean, we have pictures of those early days when people are just sitting on the steps. Like there's we don't have any furniture back here and they're not eating anything. We didn't provide them with anything. It was just like come over and we'll just talk and people were happy to do that. Just get together and talk. So anything is a good starting place. You know, to feel I mean, I would go somewhere where I thought I was just wanted to engage in something or somebody had something to offer me. I wouldn't walk in thinking, well, where's the nice furniture? Where's the good food? Why, this place isn't beautiful. I wouldn't think any of that. I would just think these people want me over. So I think the bar is much, 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 much lower than we think it is. Um, so when you get past that, that phase of like, okay, I'm opening my home up and I'm bringing people in that I know, people that I'm comfortable with so I can test out the waters of this hosting or um, and having people in my space, and then you move to people that you don't know, yeah. expectations probably shift some. So what are, what are some good baseline expectations that people would probably have in that situation, and then how do they maybe communicate that to the people like in the group? Because there's yeah. got to be a common language. Yeah. I... I I'm an introvert, so having strangers in my home, I'm still not really comfortable with, but I just try to build the things around it so it works. Um, I think the number one thing for me going into a stranger's home, I was in a meeting last month where I was invited along to a meeting. I don't know these people. Hi, how are you doing? I'm awful at meeting people. Um, and all the number one thing that I want, and I was very unfamiliar with their house and very uncomfortable in their house, except the number one thing is that I want to feel like that I'm welcome. That's it. Like you're welcome in my house. So if you can't find the toilet paper, we'll figure it out. You know, it doesn't, you don't have, I'm, I'm not going to give you a tip like have four rolls of toilet paper sitting <laughs> at the ready. No, you don't have to do that. You just have to communicate to people that they're welcome. And if they, if they know that they're welcome, then they know, hey, if I don't know where to put the trash, somebody will help me figure this out, and it's fine. And you can just remove that layer of tension. Um, so, and I think 
the number one way. Get, get ready, sports fans. <laughs> get out your pen and paper. You're going to want to write this down. It's to just tell people, you're welcome. Like, we really want... Somebody didn't make us have you in our house tonight. Nobody's holding a gun to our heads. We really want you here. We're glad that you're here. We want this to be fun. We want this to be comfortable. And we're not perfect at hosting, whatever that means. We're not Martha Stewart. We're not trying to be Martha Stewart. We're ourselves. And so we'll all get over whatever hurdles. Oh, there's not enough chairs? Uh, okay, somebody come upstairs with me and we'll get a desk chair or we get the kids' chairs from upstairs or whatever. <laughs> it's fine. That All that stuff works out. People don't mind that stuff at all. Actually, many times it makes them feel more comfortable when things aren't perfect in a house. Um, this this meeting I was talking about last month, I was asked to go to this meeting at this guy's house for a fundraising kind of deal. So I want to see, man, I'm kind of interested in this charity that I don't know anything about going to this guy's house. And the house is pristine. I mean, it's a nicer house than I'll ever have. Everything's pristine. And I felt uncomfortable in the house because everything was perfect. Clearly, some professionals had put things in places <laughs> there. I, and the only thing that made me comfortable is that they didn't seem as uptight and as put together as their house did they seemed real and they seemed like hey we want you here so i thought great well i can use this uh, i can use this book as a coaster that i just found around and i felt i felt the liberty to do that because i felt welcomed by them so i would say as a host that's the number one thing is just to communicate to people and i'm terrible with names and I'm terrible at the front door. Hi, hi, how you doing? Welcome to my house. I'm Steven. I mean, I, I, I hate all that stuff. I'm terrible at it. But I can communicate to people. We want you here. We're so glad you're here. Get in here. Get your butt in here. Come on. We're happy that you're here. That, that's the number one thing I think you can do. Do you find that it's tricky at all? Or if there are there any unique hangups that happen when you're trying to balance being a host and being a leader? You know, if, if you're having a small group in your house, like, are there places where that comes into conflict? Great question, Eric. Um, <laughs> I have learned, I've already told you people, I've just learned that that kind of hosting, let me take your coat, can I get you a drink? <laughs> that is not me. I'm not good at it. I'm really uncomfortable in that scenario. So what we've learned over the years is... This happens naturally. If you, if you say, we're going to have five meetings in our home in the next year, you're going to have somebody that three meetings in, you're going to realize Bob's going to come to every one of these meetings. I just think Bob's going to, he's got nothing else going. He's going to come to all these meetings. <laughs> and Bob is really garrulous. And Bob really seems to like people more than I do. I, I have done this and I will continue to do this. You pull Bob aside and you go, Bob. I'm bad at this welcoming people and being Mr. Congeniality. Would you do that, Bob? Would you get here 15 minutes early and would you kind of be the host and take people's coats and show them where to go and show them where the bathroom is and all that stuff? And Bob's like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And I'm like, oh, yes, great. Goodbye, Bob. I'm not going to stand by the front door anymore. And for me, that really frees me up because I'm usually, at meetings that happen in my house, I'm usually, if not the content provider, I'm at least the MC. Mm -hmm. So for me to kind of be able to focus on, well, here's my little notes or here's the questions I'm going to ask whoever's speaking or whatever's happening. If we have to hook up a TV because we're doing a crossroads multicast kind of thing, that's the way that really helps me to operate mm. that way to just separate those responsibilities and go I'm not I'm not even going to try to do that. Can you speak to the people out there who 
like you saying that gave them like a like relief like okay oh, yes. <laughs> I, I it's not me um right. but on the flip side then they kind of feel guilty because they're like but i'm inviting them into my home and don't i have to be like can you just like just tell them why that lets them off the hook and why that's okay well i think everybody appreciates anybody being honest about who they are and how they feel so again what i was just saying about being welcoming it it would relieve people to get a group of people okay everybody's here and we all sit down and let's say I stand up and say, welcome everybody to our house. Glad you're here tonight. And they're thinking, well, I haven't seen you. You didn't welcome me into the house. But if I said to them, hey, you might have wondered why I didn't welcome you into the house. That's because I'm kind of an introvert and I'm not really good at that. So that's why Bob did that when you walked in the door. And everybody goes, oh, okay, cool. And what that signals is, okay, he's fine being who he is. So I guess I could be who I am too. So if I'm not really good at mixing, like I hate cocktail parties, <laughs> I always find the two people I know and then I hold on to them and go, I'm talking to you all night. And they're like, why did we come to this party? We could have done this anywhere else. And I'm thinking, that's exactly right. We could have done this anywhere else. But if you give people that permission to just, you operate how you need to and you can be yourself, I think that really frees everybody up. So I think when you're kind of, orchestrating how an event is going to happen at your house. I hate even calling it an event. A get-together, when you're just kind of thinking, how's that going to work? Um, if you can parcel out those jobs so that everybody kind of knows their role, it's doable, What what whatever you've been given to do. We When we had our first kind of big crossroadsy kind of thing at our house, somebody's job was telling people, where the trash can, the bathrooms, and the food were. That was their job. That's a doable job. I, you know, you could you could pull that off. And that was their whole that was their whole deal. And so anyways, so parceling out those jobs just makes everybody go, okay, I can handle this. And again, as I don't have to be Mr. Host, superstar, everything. Um, if, even if with my wife, I could just say, well, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. And now, there's I'm relieved to know I don't have to do everything. Mm. So I want to circle back to something you kind of mentioned in passing a little bit earlier when you were talking about, you know, you this is this is kind of not where you, you guys have really developed in this arena now, but you started out being, you know, yeah. very much novices at it and, and being uncomfortable with it. Um, you know, you, you're talking in ways that, that give me the impression that there's a very clear mindset and strategy you have to your home, to having people over, to the gatherings that you do, all of those kind of things. Like, Walk us through the the kind of big picture of what that mindset is. How do you see your home and your... Well, I want my... Okay, I believe that the kingdom of God is not a group of successful churches. (laughs) I believe that the kingdom of God is a network of relationships. Mm -hmm. I think I know for a fact that the most powerful place that life change happens is in living rooms and not in giant auditoriums. So we can make big decisions in a big auditorium. Um, We can change some of our thinking, but as far as the granular, how do I get through this dating relationship I'm in? How do I make this decision about stopping my alcoholism? That stuff happens in homes. And I am really, I mean, I would say one of my sort of life goals is to help other guys be who God called them to be in their families. And so I want to authorize 
men to like own their home space and go, my house is going to be a kingdom outpost. Even if, even if all I mean by that is that I am going to be a facilitator of God's grace and truth coming to my wife and kids. If that's it, great. I want you to own that. I want you to own that. So I want to model that for my house, that my house is a place where I take full ownership of the kingdom of God landing on planet Earth. If, it's, if, if God's kingdom is going to touch to Earth anywhere, it's going to touch it in my house. I'm not giving anything to a giant organization and going, well, they get to have this thing, but I'm just a guy in a house. So I don't think God would be interested. No, I'm the first in the line. I've decided I'm going to be first in line. Whatever God's passing out, we're going to get it at my house. So with that thinking in place, um, anything that's kind of spiritually oriented, I would rather have it at my house than anywhere else. I, I would rather um, spend time talking with guys about their walk with Christ at my house than at a church building. I would rather have a small group meeting at my house than a church building. I'd rather train 75 guys who are going to be praying for people. I'd rather have that at my house than a church building because, again, I want to be communicating to these guys that the kingdom is, uh, it's an all play. We all get to, you, if you want it, you can have it you, and you can own it. It's for you. It doesn't belong to a professional Christian in a big building somewhere with a cross, you know, stapled to the front of the building. It, it's ours. It belongs to us. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that's you my, <laughs> yeah, but, you're doing great. But that's my, that's my thinking. That's my motivation behind, um, just having meetings in my house and we have all kinds of meetings it when we have questions about uh we are i remember when the first of our friends started getting divorced and we thought whoa we've never really faced this before you know our parents had friends who were getting divorced but we've never faced this with our peers and we felt like there should be a community conversation about this we don't we don't have any answers per se except that we have the same access to scriptures anybody else does but why don't we get a group of our friends together and just say would you bring a thought come to our house and bring a thought about divorce let's just talk about it as as a group um we had a death very close to us in the last year um and we started researching what how do people handle death how americans don't really have an answer to that question but we found that um, Jews had this thing called sitting shiva, which is a, which a community does to grieve and mourn together. We thought, well, that's going to be at our house. So we just made our home ground zero for that thing. When we have friends who come in from out of town and we go, this guy is, I have a friend from Ron, that, uh, named Ron, friend from Ron, a friend named Ron who came in from California recently. And I thought, Ron's got so many good things to say. I'm just going to wind him up and give him an evening in our house and just send out an email and say, if anybody wants to hear my friend Ron from California, he's going to talk about relationships and how to be friends with people. So we'll just see what happens and open up the house. So we have all kinds of different meetings because, I, again, I want my home to be ground zero for my, my, my participation in the kingdom of God. Now, I think what you were asking was, now, what do you do with your space? And <laughs> I, one of the things that friends always comment on is that we have like a, 
a um, snack bar in our house. So it's like about 10 big jars and they're always full of different snacks. And anybody who comes into my house knows that that's always for the guests. Just knock yourself out. That's for you. You don't ever have to ask me if you can have that. That's always just go get it. And if that thing gets destroyed, then we'll go to the pantry and figure something else out. It's never been um, emptied in one sitting. But that's the kind of thought we want to put toward what we want people to be comfortable in our home. I want to remove every barrier um, from anybody coming to my house with a major spiritual question or they're having a problem in their life or they're grieving something. I want our house to just be a comfortable place. So we've bought furniture around that goal. We've we've um, architectured, however you would say that, our, our, our house so that there's personal private space, um, so that there's big space and we that's what our that's what our house is for is to have those meetings. We have a hot tub at our house um, that I bought from a friend when he moved out of town, um, and we do baptisms in that. We're doing one this weekend, a baptism at our house, and we'll invite our friends. And I'm not punting that to a church organization. Well, they get to have the baptisms. No, they don't. We get to have the baptisms. Communion happens in our house. Baptism happens in our house. All that stuff because. Again, we, we we want our home to be ground zero. It, so it sounds like you and your wife have a shared vision for using your home, but how do your kids factor into that? How do you explain it to them? How do you bring them into it? Well, the main way that our kids um, interact with that is that they create problems. <laughs> <laughs> um as far as explaining it to them, um, I'm kind of excited. Again, I still have young kids, but I'm kind of excited at this experiment um, that's so different from my upbringing where church was this kind of monolith that you visited and then went away from. And, and what I want to raise my kids in, the experiment with them, is that church is... Church is what we call the collective of our relationships where we're all seeking God together. And so I'm very excited to see the way that they, the worldview that they're developing about about what church is, is really exciting to me because they know experientially it might happen with eight people in our living room and it might happen in a big auditorium that's got a couple of thousand in it. And they don't have any of those uh, presumptions that I grew up with. So I'm really enjoying that. We don't really talk about I mean, they're not at an age where we talk about what is church and mm-hmm. what it, what what constitutes a church meeting. But they they are very excited about. Well, some people are coming over to worship at our house tonight, and they love that. I mean, they join in, and I want them to join in. I usually bring my kids into more things that I than I think most people do. I want them to be present, even if they don't understand it. When we're laying hands on somebody to pray for them, I'll tell them, get your hands over here, lay hands on them. We'll talk about it later, but we're praying for them right now. We we want them to start doing those things even before they understand them. But what I was referring to with my joke at the beginning was that having kids around, that was one of our mistakes early on was not giving enough attention to what do you do with these kids and we thought I just throw some kids into our meetings it's fine we'll just have the meeting no you won't just have the meeting they will stop it down they will clog that mother up so what we've what we ha- what we've figured out not because we're smart but just because we've had this problem several times is that 
we've got to we've got to um, account for children at some point. So whether that is um, getting a sitter and going, okay, there's going to be 20 kids in the basement, so we need five people down there, and so we're going to get some neighborhood teens to go down there, or we're going to have something for kids, or we're going to have this meeting outside so that kids can run around. We we've done it all, um, and that's just because we've learned that we have to account for them because <laughs> they complicate things. God sure. bless them. So at, kind of as we wrap things up here, there's a couple a couple things I'd love to do. Um, one being, you know, for everybody that's listening to this and, and going, okay, this is great. This is awesome. I've got a lot to ponder here. I'd love to give them something concrete that you could turn around and do with a group today, next week, what, whatever it is, like right away. What's the, what's the one pro tip that you would give somebody that's wanting to move in this direction? Yeah. Um, well, we, we had said before we were on air, so to speak, <laughs> we had said um, that you don't have to clean the whole house. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great tip. Um, I, I, I gave my example from last month. Cleaning the whole house so that everything is perfect and in its right place can actually be a hindrance to community because it can make people feel like, oh, everything's perfect in here. I'll try to be perfect too. I'll try to keep my ducks in a row and not speak out of turn. Whereas if you feel that you're invited into a working home and there's a toy here and there's blankets around and not everything's, not all the dishes are put away, you feel that you're into something that's organic and moving and I can be myself. And so I don't recommend that. I don't recommend make the whole house perfectly clean. I do recommend giving the bathroom a little attention. Because again, if my goal is making people feel comfortable, you walk into a dirty bathroom and you're like, ick, you know, you, you're, you do not feel at home. Where when you walk into a messy living room, you know, I could sit on the floor if that's what, if I'm comfortable, I can sit on the floor. And I like to sit on the floor and I like that feeling that, okay, all, there's no that, holds barred. That's allowed here. Yeah. yeah. But clean the bathroom. That, that helps people feel comfortable <laughs> and cared for. That's, that's good. And uh, I'll say this also. Here's, here's my other pro tip. Bottled water is everywhere. It's easy to get. It can be at room temperature. Have bottled water on hand. Mm-hmm. It just makes people happy, cared for. They can sip on something. Bottled water, it's easy and it's cheap. Beautiful. So, again, same sort of thing for people that are listening and thinking, oh, that's really great. He's been doing this a long time. Sure, all this stuff. Like, he's an expert. Um can you humanize this for people? Give it, you've given us some little snippets, but can you give us one story of where being hospitable, having people in your house didn't go the way that you had hoped and anticipated? Sure. Um, we, we had a friend in from... We have a friend who does mission trips to Africa, and, and there was a pastor from Africa that he was bringing into town. And he said, I'm, I just love this guy. I want people to be able to hear what my pastor friend from Africa has to say. And we're like, well, great. We'll just put a meeting together and that'll be awesome. And so we did what we always do. Over the years, we've collected like an email list of anybody who's kind of come along. So we just blasted our email list, said, there's this pastor from Kenya. Um, he's just going to be speaking about healing. It's going to be great. So come. Well... First of all, 240 people came that night. 
I, your living room doesn't seat 240, I'm assuming. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> nor does my block um, facilitate the parking of that many cars. Um, so that was that was one thing, just the logistics of holy cow. Uh, we we've we've failed in planning here somehow. <laughs> we have underestimated the response. And I, you know, you would say, well, that was a, was that a success? <laughs> I don't know. It was such a success that it was a failure. Um, so yeah. So so as far as people feeling comfortable, no, they didn't feel comfortable that night. There were too many people there. There were people, we had to shove people in places where they could not hear or had any access to what was happening at the meeting. So that was a failure. And then, you know, I, I didn't vet this guy. I didn't know what he was going to do. And he was kind of weird. <laughs> what happened that night was really weird. He, he poured anointing oil on people and I was going, oh man, what is happening here? And I just felt like it was out of control. It went on too long. At some point, I just stepped to the front. Okay, uh, thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, good night. And just back to the drawing board. So we've we've had meetings where nobody showed up. We had invited and nobody showed up. We had that one where way too many people showed up. We've had ones, as I just said, where we were not happy with what the sort of guest speaker did. Um, we, it, we've seen it all. And it's and guess what? The world keeps turning, and we our friends didn't leave us, and we're all we're okay. It's all right. Well, Steven, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you. This is awesome. This is super awesome. All right, what are we talking about next time? I'm sorry, I tried to talk first, <laughs> so I can ask the question. We don't know. Just tune in. It'll all be right. good. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs>